This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Al and Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Al and Jerry's post-game podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Jerry Recco is out today. Eddie Scazzeri joins me. Hi there, Eddie. Hello, podcast people. So you're back from your two days uh, uh, illness. Do you know what it was? Were you diagnosed with anything? Uh, I wasn't. Um, Did you go to a doctor? I was considering it on Monday when I felt really terrible. So you just woke up and you were like, what is going on here? Yeah, well, I felt something kind of coming on on Sunday. So I went to bed like my usual time during the week, which is about five o'clock. Figured I'd sleep it off. Sunday at five, you were like, shut Ooh. shut it down. Yeah. And usually Sunday, it's closer to eight. Yeah. You know, the weekend. A little whole football thing, action, too. Red zone. Uh, and then when I got up at one o'clock, I almost fell. When I got out of bed, I was so dizzy and just very bad imbalance so that was different and i had a fever and i just felt like crap like flu flu symptoms yeah but not a severe like congestion or anything like that and then i just that's when i i texted fleegs and thankfully he was ready to step in or else i don't know what i i guess i would have tried to come in so it was more because of the disney dizziness yeah no i did feel terrible and i did have 101 fever which is relatively high for an adult. Not alarmingly high, but high. Um, and I had all the, the chills and just really fatigued. And then I just, but that dizziness, like even after my fever broke, I was considering, hey, maybe I should try to go in. But I, I still, I didn't think I could safely drive. Yeah, Fleegs and I were talking about that off the air, how sometimes like when you're when you're ill. Mm-hmm. It's not so much like ah, eh, well, if I could get, if I get into work and I sit down at the board or I sit down at the producer thing, I could get through it. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of the the commute that's like I don't think I could yeah feel this way and be in the car. Yeah, well, with the dizziness thing, oh, definitely not. I was I was you know I would have put not only myself but others in danger. Yes, potentially. I could I guess I could have Ubered, but. That would not have. I don't think I would be here today if I tried to do that. You'd have careened off the road. No, no. Well, <laughs> maybe, but I, I think my recovery was greatly 
improved by the fact that I basically slept all day. Oh, that's true. On Monday. And I still had a fever yesterday, but I had set that up with fleas to, to cover me for yesterday. So, and then by, like, when I texted y'all yesterday about 9 o'clock, I just had an, I did another in-home COVID negative, and the fever had dropped. So, I was good to go. Yeah. All right. And you're at what percentage would you say you feel, with 100% being, I feel terrific? Well, when I got in here, it was like maybe 60%. I was like, oh, boy. And then as the as usually happens, you kind of work through it, and I'm feeling like maybe 80% now. Oh, not bad. Yeah. All right. And, I, of course, for, for me, I want to be mentally sharp. Yes. Also, for what I do. So I was okay. okay. good. I saw that uh, we reported at the very end of Boomer and Geo that Norman Lear, Lear passed away. Mm-hmm. He was a TV icon. He did... Uh, Archie Bunker, All in the Family, Jefferson's, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of TV shows in the 70s. And he was 101 years old. That's a damn good run. Which is wild. Yeah. And then uh, earlier, though, in the day, I found out that uh, you I don't think you know who this guy is, but Ralph Sorella from the Howard Stern Show passed away. He was 58. Wow. Yeah. I guess um, Howard revealed that he had lymphoma. Which I guess was very treatable if you treat it. Mm-hmm. And I guess he hadn't, he'd been delaying, delaying, delaying treating it. And he went in for treatment and passed away. Mm. Like, I guess one of the procedures they were going to do on him and, and passed away. He was uh, 58. Man, f- imagine the, the years between 58 and 101. That's a lot of years. Yeah. That's, uh, That's how many years? 43. 43 more years. Mm-hmm. And probably at least half of them good, I would guess. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah, he and Howard Stern were very close. And what was he? Uh, so he the... he originally called into the Stern show as a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Just a fan, called and called. And then when Howard got the, the Channel 9 show, I think I'm getting this right. When Howard got the Channel 9 show, this he offered to do the makeup for caricature type things when Howard was doing characters. He like he dressed Howard up as uh, uh, Larry King when they were doing a Larry King bit, do the fake nose and all that stuff. He that's what he then did for a living. So I guess, but in that process, he became you know Howard Stern. I guess is someone who's not very close with a lot of people. Became close with this guy, so they were friends for a really long time. So. Mm. And Howard came in and did his show today, so uh, I'm sure that was shocking to him or very surprising, man. But 58 seems crazy. But I'm saying it's like, so Ralph passes away at 58, and then Norman Lear dies. So any shot you had of getting some sort of coverage, right? Norman Lear's going to get it. Exactly. Where if it was a slow news day, you might get... A little something. Ralph Sorella passed away. I met Ralph one time um, at the K-Rock Christmas party, I believe, when I was working with Booker. All these years ago. I used to like to meet anybody connected to the Howard Stern show. So I was like a Howard Stern freak. Yeah, you were. Yeah. So. Not so much anymore, but. Not so much anymore, but uh, listen, the man entertained me for like 30 something years. And and changed. Well, I don't know if he changed our industry, but he certainly was the most iconic figure in our industry. And got me the reason why I wanted to get into radio. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a radio first, sports, distant second mm-hmm. person. 
where a lot of people are sports, hardcore sports people that then get into radio. Right. That was my story. You were way into sports, like yes. Mets and right. right after the 86 Mets and all that stuff. Right. And then I became a radio guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see the the two angles people come at these jobs from. Yeah. Because I really wasn't much of a radio listener at all until WFAN started. Yeah. And then I was all in. Then you're like, what is this? Yeah. What do we got here? And that was funny. Like the radio business being what it is, the, the sports radio stations around the country are almost always the highest rated stations. Yeah. Because it's something unique you can't get anywhere else. Uh, it's local, right? It's live. the local teams. It's live. Yeah. So um, I think that that part of the industry seems very strong, the sports radio angle. I agree. It's funny to see like how little by little different cities start to get. I always wonder where they found people. For like, if you're going to start a sports station in, like when they started one in Tampa, like where did they find people? Right. Are you looking for sports people? Because so, early on in the beginning, they would put like uh, writers on. Yes. To host shows. And it, sometimes that would work. But yeah. Probably at least half the time it didn't. Or they would uh, successfully take like uh, a broadcaster who maybe didn't know a lot of sports, but was a good a good talk show host and team them with a writer mm-hmm. who knew a lot about the local teams. And when FAN started, it was, um, well, it was supposed to be IMS right away, but then he had rehab and the whole thing. But um, it was, I think, Jim Lampley and Greg Gumbel and Pete Franklin, who was a national. And these guys were all known guys already? Yeah, but nationally, you know, Jim Lampley, you know, Jim Lampley, yeah. the, the, boxing. the boxing dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then Greg Gumbel and and Pete Franklin, who was uh, you know an, uh, a known I think from Cleveland uh, talk yes. uh, sports talk there, and then Steve Summers who was out in uh, uh, San LA. Francisco. Well, he was started San Francisco, went to L.A. and then was in Atlanta, and but he was sort of a national brand. So we kind of went. Now Steve totally became. New York and worked out, but those other guys, yeah, it's tough. Really didn't, and then we changed to more local people. Yeah, I think that's what they found right in their mm-hmm. discovery is that, like, it's funny. Like, like, a, take a guy like Joe Beningo who is New York, right? Mm-hmm. He wouldn't work if he moved down to Atlanta and did a talk show on Atlanta Sports Talk and had to talk about the Falcons and the Braves. Like, it mm-hmm. just wouldn't work. He's so. New York heavy and like you do have to be a fan I think or have some passion for and know the history and what's been going on with these sports teams in order to do this well yeah no it can happen where somebody from this area can go elsewhere yeah and make it work it has happened like Mike Valenti uh I don't think he's from the city I think he's more from like upstate New York maybe but still a New York sports fan and what ended up able, in Detroit. Yeah, and kills it there. Yeah, I guess I could have done that in Tampa mm-hmm. had I really been into that. But, yeah, I think certain areas, like I think uh, Joe Beningo could go down to Miami and do a, oh, a, 100%. a talk show. 100%. Tampa, Orlando, that, like the area. There's a lot of transplant. Yeah, the Carolinas, like where the yeah. uh, Phoenix New Yorkers go. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if that could work. Let's say you do this. 
you take a place like Miami or Phoenix and you do a New York sports station, like treat it like you're here. You're mm. doing, you're covering the New York teams locally. You know, are there enough people that that could be a niche um, format? Well, ultimately, it's going to come down to are the people entertaining? Yeah. Which we've talked about before. Just like we're surprised by the fact that there are people all over the country who watch us on CBS uh, Sports Network. Right. Who with, then call in. With no connection. They weren't previously correct. in New York. Right. And don't really care about the sports, but they like Boomer and Geo and you and I and Jerry. So you have to win the people over and then they'll listen. Really doesn't matter what they're talking about. If you're entertaining and they like the hosts, then they're going to listen. Yeah. I always like getting a call from like somebody in Alabama and they're like, why don't you guys ever talk about Alabama football? It's like, oh, no, we're we're a New York show. We just happen to be on mm-hmm. the thing. But they've been watching all along. Right. I don't know if they've caught on to that or or they, you know, it's just funny. You're right. Like, it, it's it's weird to see. Because there are some days when, I, when I'll look up at the call screener, call screener mm-hmm. that I work on and it'll be all different states represented up there. Yeah. Not heavily concentrated in New York. It's crazy. It's weird, wild well, stuff. The, the- majority 80 percent are in our listening area radio listening area yeah i would say that's true but still that's a large portion that is not yeah just uh, watching on uh tv Mm -hmm. and now you got uh you you got the app so you can listen like if you if you did move from this area and you were a big yankee fan met fan you have uh the odyssey app you could listen to them live when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, during the show today, we talked about the shower at when you were in high school, high school sports. Mm-hmm. Boomer talked about uh, a teams, and you know, you showering after a game or after gym class. Geo said, in his high school, the showers and all were so disgusting; nobody used them after a game. They D- do you recall any of that in high school? Did anyone shower after gym class? Uh, no. Yeah, my, me neither. No. There were showers there, though, right? Uh, yes, for yeah. sure. So I wonder when that stopped. And, and I think some people did. Like the guys who maybe were on the sports teams. Yeah. And not that you or I were on the Correct. sports teams. Uh, but yeah, they. I think I, I do have a vague memory of, you know, again, high school gym class. Not really a, a great memory for yeah. me. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of remember some guys showering but yeah. i think they were the jocks yeah i i remember there being showers mm-hmm. no i never saw a single person shower after gym but i do believe the teams showered yeah because i do remember not that i was any good at it but i was good in the field i was a terrible hitter for baseball but i remember even the thought of going out for the baseball team in my head it was like i gotta shower after mm-hmm. these 
and then if I don't shower, am I the weirdo? Like, yeah. I didn't want any part of that. Yeah, and, and uh, it's funny when I when my my dad uh, in in between my I think it was my my freshman and sophomore year of college, and then every summer after that because I, I wasn't old enough in my before college, he got me a job in a paper mill in Clark, New Jersey. Because, uh, you know, he worked for this company, United States Gypsum, and they had a, a paper mill plant and blah, blah, blah. And you would get, like, really filthy. Doing what? Like, what uh, even goes on in a paper oh, mill? Oh, God. Uh, well, I was assigned I was uh, assigned to the uh, mechanics department. So, and any shitty, dirty, dirty job that there was, you know, I got. <laughs> like, you know, it was clean out. And the paper stock. Stinks. So you're make... breathing all this in as well, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, and cleaning off these huge rollers that were covered with this paper, but it had, like, a glue on it, and that had to be all polished off before it could be used, and I was using kerosene. Oh, my to gosh. Get... Oh, it was, it was hideous. <laughs> um, and then just working on these pumps with oil and this yeah. and grease, and it was just, or just if you had to go clean stock off stuff, you know, it was just, it was quite terrible. But it was, like, a real job and it, and it showed me, Hey, if you don't want to do this kind of thing for the rest of your life, you better go to school. That was my dad's to put that into my head and it worked. Although as it turned out, I probably didn't need to go to school to do what I do now. Right. But, uh, and after, and they had one of those, those big sinks where that, with that grease soap that, uh, that you would, uh, uh, I forget. What I forget was. the name of it too. Yeah. You know, know what, what you mean? About. Yeah. It's like a pumicey kind of, yes. A, and it just cut through grease. Great. So you do that when you had your, you know, when you went for your lunch break. But then at the end of the day, almost every guy in the mechanics department would shower. What? And these these are not like kids. These right. are men. And and I did. What was the what was it individual stalls? No, or it was, was it just an open shower with about eight shower heads in there? So so and, everyone they would because a shift would end, so people would be there at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was most of the, most of the guys in the uh, mechanic department. They they you know all worked most. There were a few on each shift. Uh, somebody like there for emergencies or whatever, but most of the guys were there in the day shift doing you know projects or what have you. But they would all shower after because you were literally you were filthy. You wouldn't even want to. You couldn't get in your car in the clothes. They had oil. It was gross. So I I had to just. I was not psychologically prepared for that. But then again, this is not high school. So there wasn't that element of, you know, sort of bullying or yeah. mocking or anything like that. But it was still, you know, showering with eight other grown men. <laughs> and I'm a kid. Right. You know? And so I, but I, I had to do that. And I, like thinking back, I was like, wow, I did that for four summers. But do you recall getting used to it? Yeah, oh for sure. Like they like probably the first time you did it or the couple times you did it early on you probably were thinking about it as soon as you got in and to up for your shift yeah. like oh at the end of the shift I have to shower. It's yeah. Good. Well, and then you just get used to it at some point. You do. And especially because it's not high school, there wasn't that element of you know, bullying or mocking or what have you. The cool kids. I mean, there was there was some jocularity for sure, but not like you know, again, these guys, they're married men with kids. They just want to get home. 
They don't care what this dopey kid whose dad is a boss at another plant. You know, that was more of a thing. You know, that's what I would get mocked for. Like, oh, your dad's a big boss. But then they, they liked me. So Yeah, well, because I think it's interesting that if your dad was the big boss, to still put you in a job that was not a cush job. No. He didn't get you a cush job in no, that no. place. You had a right. a physical labor job. Yeah, yeah. And the foreman of the uh of the department used to work for my dad in another plant on Staten Island. So my dad probably told me, yeah, give it to him. <laughs> so we gotta teach him some life lessons here. Take care of him. Don't let him get hurt. Yeah. But don't go don't take it easy. Don't take it easy. Do you recall Guys not showering and just getting in their cars and going? Uh, there were a few who had, uh, like, uh, who worked maybe in the machine shop, who were, like, spinning lathes and making stock and equipment and all yeah. this other stuff that ne- didn't necessarily, gonna, they're not going to get filthy. They could. And the guy who worked in the storeroom and the supply room, that sort of thing, which wasn't, like, a big sweaty job. But so you did that four summers? Four summers. Yeah, the United States gypsum paper mill plant in Clark, which I think is closed now. This was um, in your college years? Yeah. Okay, so you'd go to school during the... So during the school year, did you have a job as I well? I did. Up at uh, at school, I worked for the Dining and Kitchen Authority. Wow. At Stony Brook. What I was think... that like working at the cafeteria of oh the school God, was, you were going to? It was to. awful. Oh, it was, that was... You just see things you don't want to see, and it's like... Yeah, but again, you block it out and you still would eat, you know? (laughs) I always think about, like, depending on the industry you work in. Like, my dad worked at Newark Airport. Mm -hmm. I am sure he saw things going on with airplanes that people would be like, I am not getting on that airplane. (laughs) Of course. uh, Doctors, uh, nurses, they see some crazy things. Yeah. And then in a food preparation type place like you were in, is that what you're seeing? Like, like food preparation? Oh yeah, everything. Crazy? I did everything. I did everything from do, be, doing being on the serving line, yeah, being in the kitchen, being on the the wash rack, you know, to cycle, you know, make sure all the dishes get washed and put back out, and all this stuff. Again, mopping floors, and I did I did everything at the school at the at, yeah at Stony Brook. And was it weird to see fellow students in there if you were uh, working? Well, in there? no, they were like, oh hey, you know, because. I would say ninety five percent of the of the workforce was local high school kids. Oh, okay. Or local non college students who were you know maybe my age or a little older, but just that was their job. It was very few students who worked there. What was the most concerning thing you would see that? Oh, just just the, you know, like food would fall on the floor. You know, well, you know, five second rule, back in the tray. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and it was just just all gross and the stuff that's not going to kill you, right? But the, the people knew it's just gross. But that's maybe why you never want to go back into the kitchen. Correct. I know. I think about that when I see the kitchen sometimes. Yeah. You know, like even if you're at a diner and like a waiter or waitress will walk out and the mm-hmm. door will flap and you like kind of get a peek into the kitchen. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want to. No. Better no. look away. Yes, for sure. Just- Although other times when I go into a restaurant. Sometimes they'll have, as part of the decor of the restaurant, the whole kitchen is open. Mm-hmm. You could see. I kind of like that because I feel like not a lot of shenanigans can yeah, go on. Right. But I also like the idea of don't even let me have an idea what's going on back mm-hmm. there. One or the other. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was that. Oh, the job, the job that I, I think I might've mentioned this before job I had in the summer when I was too young to work at the mill because you had to be 18. Yeah. Uh, that's when I, I worked, I stood out in the middle of the toll plaza of the Verrazano handing, like exchanging money for tokens. <laughs> And that That's was a great in it, in it, like you know, basically like I was a prisoner in a bright orange thing <laughs> on work release, just giving people change and, or tokens no, to- for selling money. Tokens. Okay, how would they not hold up traffic? Like, wh- well, I we were we were instructed <laughs> to stand out enough so people, if they wanted, they could kind of slow down. But it was thinking back, it was like very dangerous. Are you cars coming? Yes, out of you? <laughs> yes, yeah. Not knowing who's driving them. What state of intoxication they right. may be in? Yeah, this was this was like two decades, maybe. This was eighty. When did I graduate? This was eighty five. So yeah. when did Easy Pass come out? Oh, I don't know. I feel like that so was a long. This time. This was the summer of nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So you're doing tokens, just selling tokens to people who didn't like, and it was a new program, so people didn't really know what the hell was going on. And then it was bizarre. So you you were handling cash. Oh, yeah. So you're standing out there. Right. Taking cash, giving them tokens so they could go to the token lane, if you remember those. Yeah. Right. Because that was the thing. Before Easy Pass, if you had tokens, you went faster through the lane. Correct. Because you didn't need exact, you didn't Mm -hmm. need to find exact change, which people would do as they were pulling up. Right. Or go through the lane where you needed to get physical change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My friend Paul always thought it would be, he always wanted a job as a toll collector. He thought, boy, well, that seems like a cool job. You get your own booth. Mm-hmm. You could listen to any music you wanted. Right. No one bothers you. There's no boss there. You're and in your own little thing. Thinkers are those one of those jobs that have gone. Gone. No toll Although, taken. there might be like one live yeah, person. Yeah, occasionally you'll see a live person. Yeah. Then they even, they could, because they tried at one point where if you didn't have the toll money, you took the envelope. Mm-hmm. That was there. I remember that. And the Parkway you, had that. Yeah, and then you when you got home or something, you would pay right pay that way now i think they scan your license plate if you go through and and i heard i don't know if this is true or this is just legend that johnny mathis's brother was a toll taker on the golden gate bridge for many many years that's a cool one i think that's true if you had to do it somewhere golden gate bridge is a cool one yeah it is wow so those were three like those were three real jobs you had oh yeah yeah token uh, seller, cafeteria, paper mill. Yeah, the paper mill was physically the most demanding. Yeah, for sure. And it was hot. It was just smelly and just probably somewhat dangerous. Sure, I'm sure you're breathing in things you oh, shouldn't. And have I been and I in. had to wear. We had to wear at all times steel tip work shoes, uh, hard hat, safety goggles, and earplugs at the mill for the eight hour shift. Yeah. Unless you were in the break room, but you went out on the floor, you had to, because it was loud and, you know, and they used to give the earplugs and used to, guys used to tie them to the back of their, their hard hat and, you know, just put them in yeah. and those would get disgusting and gross. Right. But, you know, you would, you pretty much need a new one every day. When I went to school at Indiana State University, I went there in 1992, uh, there was a distinct smell in the town and people said, oh, it's the paper mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, paper stock. When paper gets all wet. And yeah. It, yeah. It stunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting trip down memory lane. Good times. 
All right, Eddie, let's do the warm-up show. I sure. did that with CeeLo, and CeeLo will be back tomorrow, and you'll be back tomorrow for yes. the post-game podcast. Mm-hmm. So- <laughs>